Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today we've got a very special guest. Among other things, he's known down south as the world's strongest blues guitarist and singer, Mr. <laughs> Jake Andrews. Welcome, Jake. Welcome, man. That's kind of a joke, but yeah, I'll take that. Well, we are, bro. It's, nobody's got proof it's not true. Yeah, that's, that is true. That's true. So uh, let, let's just do a, we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff today here. You've, you're an interesting guy. You've done a lot of things. Uh, but let's just give a, a quick rundown here. So uh, a couple of bullet points so people get an idea of, of who you are. So uh, you were born and raised in, in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah. Which is a great place, especially for what you do. I've been there. I love Austin. I've been down there on the, the Congress Street with all the great food and music. and mm-hmm. so, uh, so it's pretty lively down there. Great place. Um, and you started in the music industry at age five. Is that right? Well, more or less playing playing music. My father's a musician and uh, really mother, started. Mother, mother Earth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jake, Jake, let me ask you. Yeah. I'm one of the few people who remember who the lead singer was. Yeah, Tracy. Tracy, Tracy Nelson, right? Yeah, yeah. She's she's awesome, man. Powerhouse. They, I mean, they they were kind of originally out of that San Francisco hate Ashbury scene back in the late '60s. And yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, they were yeah. uh, they were they were a little more of an R&B group uh, than you know psychedelic. So uh, they were they were kind of different from the other San Francisco bands, but no, they were they were Austin. They were all Austin guys, people. No, they weren't all Austin guys. But Austin was just even back then there was there was always a strong Austin uh, California connection, especially Austin San Francisco. Right. Um, right. And, and so Austin's always had that kind of uh, that kind of alternative, uh, you know. Vibe. Um, more more liberal vibe you know yep. and 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 so there was a even back in the late late 60s there was a lot lot of texas transplants out you know in the san francisco scene well that's where the money was and you, and the players were all in texas yeah now did your pop get you into it or did you naturally get into it on your own you know i was i was so young i mean i i was around you know, music and him, him performing since I was born. So it wasn't really a question of did I decide to get into it. I was just kind of funneled into it, man. Well, yeah, but so. not just because you get funneled into something doesn't necessarily mean you have a, a talent for it. Right, right, right. Um, you know, uh, it, it wasn't. It was a situation. It wasn't until I was, I, I would say, a young teenager. You know, twelve, thirteen where I really made a decision myself that this is what I wanted to do and that I was going to pursue, you know? So, um, all, all those years before I was just kind of, um, you know, yeah, my dad was kind of guiding me and, and, and teaching me. And, um, he, through all those years, he was really my manager. Now, now Jake, did you find that you had a, um, a passion right off the bat for music or did it just have to kind of be introduced to you and, and you kind of grew into it? Yeah. Um, I, I can't say I was, 
you know, had a real conscious passion when I was five, six, seven years old, but I, d I definitely had a, a knack and a talent for it. And, and it, it just grew more and more into a, a passion for music. I, you know, it was just yeah, hard at that age to, to, uh, really have that, you know, I think it's something that, that develops. Yeah. Cause Marty and Jim and I are always talking about, you know, weightlifting, uh, and how we got into it. And it's just like, we hit a certain age and it's like, yeah, that's all we could think about. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And I, I think it does take a certain, you know, age. I mean, probably most of you guys weren't, you know, weren't obsessed with it at age five. <laughs> Yeah, not, not yet, but a little bit past that. I think Marty yeah. was six or seven. Uh, yeah, and Jake, you were when you when you got started out. Did your did your dad have you on open tunings, or did you just jump right in with a regular uh, standard? No, man, tuning? just jump right in. You know, learn Johnny Be Good the first day. You know, it's just right, right, right. Uh, who who were your early influences? Well. I mean, uh, of course, my father and and growing up here in the Austin music scene, I mean, all the music he exposed me to, um, you know, through records uh, and then really. Well, what, what would you hear around the house? What, what, would, what would he be playing? Well, he really, you know, my, my father, you know, he was a teenager in the 50s. And so he started me out on all his 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 favorite stuff from that era, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, mm -hmm. uh, El Elvis, uh, all the fifties, rock and roll, rockabilly, all that kind of stuff. Right. So that, that was really my first introduction to, to music and playing guitar. But within a couple years, uh, he was really pushing the BB King, Freddie King, Albert Collins, all of the blues right. stuff. And that's really that, and then that that influenced you. I was I was just curious on how you got into the blues. Uh, yeah, he would. That's what he always was. Okay. Passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So, and and then Austin, especially in those years, uh, Austin, you know, Antones the. Yep. The music venue here, I mean, Clifford Anton really kind of single-handedly uh, kept a lot of those guys' careers alive and revived. A lot of those guys' careers starting in the mid-70s. I mean, uh, and so when he opened that club here in Austin, I mean, that, these guys were, were hardly even playing. You know, guys like Muddy Waters yeah. and Albert King and all of these legendary blues artists. And so that that venue kind of became their their home away from home i mean they would you know guys like muddy waters they drive down all hop in a car and drive down from chicago and and stay here for two or three weeks and play every night you know yeah, uh, and you were you were seeing that well not not in the 70s but in the in the early mid 80s well know? let's state you you're born in what 80 yeah yeah so 90s you're coming into it in the mid '90s. Who blew you away earliest? Who who really just just blew your doors off? Well, so you know, my dad started taking me out to see these guys. Um, yeah, really, when I was six, seven years old, and it was just kind of how it how it happened. You know, we we went down to see Albert King. Oh, yeah. at Antones and it was you know it was packed I was probably eight years old and 
squeezed up to the front of the stage. And, you know, I, I don't know why he would have done this, but he he leaned down during his set and he asked me, hey, kid, you play guitar, you know? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, come back and see me after this set, you know? So so I did with my dad and, and um, they talked. I, I assume my dad knew him because the way they talked about the whole music days. And so Albert was like, well, man, let's let's get up and play some blues, you know. So so my dad, you know, ran and got my guitar and and um, I played with them the rest of the night. Wow. So 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 after that. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I didn't know I didn't know any significance of that. But Albert King was really he was known as a you know, he didn't he didn't let guys up on stage. I mean, I mean, uh even in the early days at Antone's, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, that was, that was his idol. And he, he, he was insistent on wanting to get up and play with Albert King. Albert King was like, he, he said he didn't let anybody get up. Hey, Jake, that, 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 that night, that's not on YouTube, is it? Because you got some, uh, some really old footage on YouTube. I do, and I have a lot more stuff. But, no, I don't, I don't have any video of that. I got a lot of pictures. But, mm. uh, but yeah, that that story about uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan is kind of legendary here because he, he just said, well, screw it. And he, he jumped up on stage during his show and just plugged in and started playing, you know, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't let him sit in, he, you know, and so he just got up there and did it. And after that. Albert you know, was a load now. I mean, he was what, six foot two, 280 pounds. And I, I, yeah. Could. He was taller than that, man. I'd say he was, he was close to six four or something. Yeah. He was huge. Yeah, he was yeah. huge. And and you know he, you know they they toured in the bus. And you know when the bus broke down, Albert worked on it. That that's true. I've heard that. I've also <laughs> always heard that he carried a, uh, you know, an old like you know gangster era machine gun with him. <laughs> and, and 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 on the middle of the night, they're in the bus. You know, he'd want to blow off steam. He'd you get the bus driver to pull over and he'd go out in the woods and, and uh, mow, mow down some trees. I wonder, I wonder who's got that flying V. Uh, I believe that uh, Joe Bonamassa has it. No shit. Uh, that's a million dollar. That's a million dollar guitar way up there. Right. Wouldn't you think it is? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was his signature guitar, the flying V. It sure was, yeah. So after that, uh, yeah, that's, that's everything after, else. After that, uh, anticlimactic. After that, right? Well, after that, you know, I started coming down and sitting in with with everybody on the weekend. Back in that era, everybody, all those old blues legends, they were coming through every weekend. So every weekend, I would give us some names of some of the guys you sat in with. Yeah, I mean Otis Rush, Albert Collins, BB yeah. King. Buddy Guy all the time, um, the the T Birds, Fabulous Thunderbirds, you know those guys, and and so um, soon enough, I actually started opening the shows for these guys every weekend with the with the house band. So um, yeah, I mean almost every weekend I would be I'd be opening up, you know, Gabe Mount Brown, all these legends. You must have been and, making some good money, kid. <laughs> not hardly. <laughs> Man, good for a young boy. So when did you get your first when did you get your first record contract? Um, 
Well, I, I did start working on a record here with the producer, you know, starting when I was around 11 years old. But it was actually um, I, I started going out to the West Coast, to L.A., doing a lot of playing and working with the producer starting when I was around 15. And uh, uh, so that that led to a, a record deal kind of through Warner Brothers when I was uh, 17. And um, so that was kind of my first major label record was then. What was that record called? That was my first album's called Time to Burn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at your website now. Is that one on your website? Yeah, it should be. There's probably a whole music video from it. But in fact, that was a, that was, it was like a top 10, you know, rock radio hit um, when that album came out. It 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 was released in '99, and then you just released one uh, this month, right? No, not this month. I released one in the last year. That's a oh. new album. Yeah, is that uh, in the shadows? That's right. That's right. So, Jake, did you have any uh, contact with Johnny Winter? Yeah, absolutely. I played with Johnny. I mean, I remember. Here's a funny story. I remember opening for Johnny, and he was an old, old friend of my dad's, but I remember opening for him when I was about nine years old. And um, it was this old, real funky venue here called Liberty Lunch. It was like a big kind of shed and uh, real, real funky, a real dump, but it was a great music venue. And uh, so his his crowd was was a, a, a pretty kind of rough biker crowd back in those days. So I, so I, I played this set and opened for him. And then I came out to the, to the crowd up to the front of the stage, you know, to be up there for Johnny's show. And uh, so, so I was up there, you know, I was in this crowd and I got this tap on my shoulder and I look up and it's this big badass biker dude. And man, and he's he hands me the nastiest, wettest roach you ever saw in your life, man. I I had no idea what that was. <laughs> what? I I took that man, and I was like, oh man, what is this? All covered in you know. He just took this out of his mouth, you know. Man, my dad ran over and knocked that out of my hand so fast. <laughs> you should have just hit it real quick, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um... Now, you know, Johnny and Edgar, uh, you know, they were they were huge. And, and in a way, they kind of gave birth to Jimmy Vaughn and Stevie Ray. Right. Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, but, but even even prior to that, who, who do you consider your major influence in terms of your playing? Well, like I said, there's there's so many of the, the actual local guys that I was influenced by because I was seeing them so much guys like. You know, Vaughn Brothers and and uh, and then some other local guys, Derek O'Brien. He's he's a long time. Yeah. Um, Doug Som was a huge influence. Yeah, Doug Som, man, that's West going way back. She's and a better Doug, Doug, Yeah, Doug actually played on my first album. He played piano on it. Doug was a he's an old fan. You should have got Augie Meyer, his keyboard player. Uh, I know Augie since I was a kid. I know all those guys. You know. There you go, with his Farfarisia organ. That's right, that's right. Um, 
So yeah, all, all the so so not just only the blues stuff, but there's so much music here, you know, all those guys. And then uh, well, well and Jimmy then, Jimmy Steele is 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 like a Pantera nut. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's a great Texas blues guitar, Don Magnero, man. Those guys were great from Dallas, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, and and then when I was. Uh, then there some of the younger guys coming up. Um, there's a group we've talked about that, Marty, the Archangels. Oh yeah, you know, those they guys. Ain't, they ain't young anymore, though. Well, no, but when, I'm talking about when I was a kid. Those guys were, you know, I thought they were cool, man. The Doyle Bramhall, Charlie cool. Sexton. Good and, uh, yeah, if, any, if anybody uh, out there, pull up some Archangel stuff. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my god. They were incredible. Doyle became uh, Clapton's right hand man, right? Absolutely. You know, and those guys, those guys are about ten years older, but they they grew up the same way. I mean, Doyle's dad, you yep. know, grew up with, with Jimmy and Stevie, so you know he was he was practically born into the band house. You know, he grew up in the house with all those guys, and he was already he was playing rhythm guitar on the road with the T Birds when he was sixteen years old. You know. Yeah, I believe he started as a drummer, didn't he? I know his, well, pop, his yeah, pop was a drummer, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, those guys were a huge influence. And uh, and and then it kind of come full circle. Then Doyle Doyle played with Clapton all these years, and he 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 was the one who got um, Gary Clark Jr., who's like yeah. he's he's the biggest thing from Austin right now and uh he got gary up at, at one of the last crossroads festivals you know seven or eight years ago and that boom that that kicked off gary's whole career hey, hey jack now, let me let me ask you, yeah. do you on certain songs or albums do you find that you're influenced uh more heavily by other musicians uh or you you influenced you know, uh, by, by, by the same group of guys, does it alternate? I'm listening to, uh, I sent, I sent Jim and Marty, uh, uh, your, your, uh, YouTube video of roll with you from, uh, in the show. Yeah. I got to sure. tell you, that is a great song. I, I love guitar and I love the way you play in that. It got, it gets you yeah. fired up. It's like something I would use to, to work out with. I think it's real high energy, yeah. great guitar. Who? Who was your guitar influence from that? For for are you, for that particular song. For that particular song, I mean, do you sure. do you have anybody as an influence, or is that just all yeah. coming out of you? I, I know what you're saying, you know, and and yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if if I start listening real heavily to a certain artist or, or a certain type of music, uh, that tends to start coming out in my playing in my songwriting, you know, so. It's not it's not a static thing like, you know, I was I learned how to play when I was a kid and I just, you know, it's kind of always evolving. You know, so you're 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 influenced by numerous different people at different times for different things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, although a friend of mine was he was like that. That track sounds like, you know, if the T-Birds and ACDC. <laughs> exactly, and it's Perfect. and there's a little hint of Chuck Berry in there too. I think, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, no, that's yeah, awesome. That, man. that that track's just kind of a good, you know, old school rock, you know, yeah, uh, rock and roll, you know. No, uh, there's that got me fired up. I listened to that thing probably thirty times yesterday. 
There's another track probably <laughs> that probably comes up right with that. Um, it's called Breakaway. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, an, that's like a totally different, you know, s- style feel to it. But it's also pretty high energy. And, uh, yeah, I would say that's, that's kind of uh, – that's that's one similar thing with my music and lifting is is uh, I tend to just put put that intensity into the music. Now, how did you get started training? Man, I you know I probably shoot I probably started you know piddling around a little bit and um, in high school in my twenties, but I didn't I didn't know anything and, and just real you know intermittently um but uh you know my late 20s um i wanted to get i wanted to get serious lifting i wanted to (laughs) i was tired of being a skinny white blues guitar player you wanted to bulk up get stronger yeah yeah absolutely man every man should want to do that i wrote an article about that every every man should want to do that i I just don't understand (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i spent it wasn't until I was 27 years old that I really, um, not that I didn't want to do that before, but I, I really didn't know what I was doing. So um, not until I, I was about 27 that I start uh, lifting hard and heavy. And, and uh, somebody, I know Marty's been helping you, but, but back then, did you have anybody helping you in particular? Well, uh, I mean, there, there, there's an awesome, awesome gym here in Austin, old school gym called Hyde Park Gym. Okay. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's straight out of, you know, pumping iron. It's, it's a nice. old like school. A yeah. um, it, even more old school. Everything was, was hand built here. This guy opened it in early eighties. And those, uh, uh, those videos you sent us, is that from uh, Hyde Park? Uh, Maybe that that was that was probably from the local Y here, but Hyde Park, um, Hyde Park, the the owner of it, at least during all that time, um, was this guy. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him, Dave Gooden. He's like, you know, they they call him the Texas Shredder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look we up, look him. up, look up. Yeah, look up a picture of Dave Gooden. He's known as Familiar. one of the most most well known natural bodybuilders. Yeah, look up. I don't know any natural bodybuilders. So, so wait a minute. Were you were you more influenced by bodybuilding or powerlifting or power building no. or? Uh, yeah, just 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 uh, he power- did. He didn't yeah. know. He was just a dumb guy. Just trying to figure it out. out and now, every, now everybody and... knows about powerlifting. Back then, he had one magazine. Yeah. yeah. You know? Exactly. So, so, yeah. Hey, 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 let me ask you a question. When you started, uh, <clears throat> were you, uh, you, you were an ectomorph, you were a thin guy, right? Yeah, always, always, man. And, uh, yeah. We and you know when you hit that actually when you hit that twenty seven to thirty year old range most men go through a metabolic slowdown in yes. about time so if you happen if you happen to hit it when you're actively engaged in hardcore progressive resistance training that body weight gain will be muscle yeah it's, you know, it's going to be just fat you're just going to be another all of a sudden you gain thirty pounds you haven't changed your eating you don't know what happened. 
It yeah. sounds to me like you hit it at just that right time because uh, you you are no longer a, a, a thin guy. I mean, you're a thick thick dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, really, man. Well, I will say, going back to the music, I mean that that lifestyle <laughs> does not right. does not really uh, uh, lends itself to to getting big and strong and muscular. Really? So, Everything um, opposite. I've never heard that. I don't know, man. Keith Richards is looking pretty good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> He's lame, that's for sure. Yeah, hey, you know, you always a, you're, you're you're known as a very um, health conscious guy. Were you always that way, or did you come out of bad habits into? Oh no, yeah, yeah, definitely came out of bad habits, and oh. you know, and I and I, by that I was I would also mean you know not just the the negative aspects of. Uh, sex drugs and rock and roll but but i'm 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 just meaning even 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 playing music or doing anything artistic you know um what i've always found i mean i feel far more creative and and perform i never like to perform when i ate much you know eight uh, yeah, yeah 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 so actually that's play. a big part of it because uh you know, man, you gotta you gotta eat a lot of calories to start putting on some serious weight, and uh, that that also kind of was not my lifestyle. You know, I like to hard, hardly eat all during the day and when I perform, and you know, so uh, hence I I stayed a, a skinny guy. Okay, well, what changed it? When when did that happen? And how did you get into the power training thing? Well, um, I mean, until, yeah, really until I was 27 years old, the, the most I ever weighed, I'm, I'm about 5'9", most I ever weighed was about 130. Lord. 130. Yeah, 135, 130. A seven-year-old, 130. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Probably looked good in leather pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, Marty, we should get some leather pants. Bro. That's one thing, leather I pants. Remember. When you're when you're all bulked up, <laughs> you have some, don't you, Marty? Uh-huh. Assless chaps. Yes, like David Roth. Oh, I said that out there before we get. Well, you know, we've gone pretty far, but I saw Elvis. You know, I saw Elvis live. What? Wow. Oh, you're lying. You're Holyfield House. Holyfield House. It was like two months before he died. Wow. How old were you? Man, I was like nine, something like that. Uh, we're talking about bloated Elvis. He was pretty bad. But there was these backup singers that were standing up and blocking some of these ladies' way. And they started saying, sit the F down. Sit. I mean, people were nuts about Elvis, man. I do remember that. I do wow. Remember. So, so right. Jake, he, now, now, Elvis started uh, playing the blues, right? Isn't that how he got what? started? Uh, Elvis I mean, Oh, really? Yeah. Elvis is from Memphis. An influence yeah. on him, though? No, actually, actually, Elvis came from a gospel background. Right, Jake? Yeah, yeah that's that's right. Yeah. But, I mean, that there in Memphis, I mean, that whole, yeah, gospel, blues, rockabilly, that, that was a melting pot, man. And uh, Sun Records, which, which he started, was the first label that he recorded all that early stuff on. I mean, it was the same label as a lot of those blues artists. Sun was big in the day. Uh, yeah. So, so now Jake, what are you weighing now? 
Uh, around, I, I usually stay around uh, 195 to 200. Ooh, good, man. How tall are you? 5'9". Five, 5'9"? Nine. Five, nine. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've, just my personal choice, I've, I've done that completely naturally, just just hard training and and uh, and a lot of calories. You're pretty, you're a pretty heavy lifter. I mean, you sent us some videos. You've um, you were squatting and deadlifting. What's uh, what's uh, give us some examples of some weight you're playing around with now? Let's well, say on the squat, yeah. what are you what are you going up to these days? Well, I I've talked to Marty about this. I mean, I I've always uh, tended to like to do heavy weights for high reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the most part, I just enjoy that intensity. Um, at least for for right now, I've I've never really had any any real strong des- desire to compete. You know, so yeah. uh, I just enjoy that that style of training. I can bring the intensity to it. But yeah, I, I you know I made most of my gains doing high rep squats and deadlifts. You know, and so. Um, so yeah, squats. I like doing kind of high bar Olympic squats. Don't use a belt, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to get them up to four hundred five for twenty. But um, you know, three three fifty for fifteen. You know, that's uh, I'm trying to push it further. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's what. what uh, yeah, because I think the video you sent us. I think you're doing like four fifteen for <laughs> a, a rep or two. But I think you took it down to three sixty five. You're repping that pretty good. Yeah. And I, you know, I like to do, you know, it's pretty close stance, you know, I go to the floor and uh, high bar, you know, I just enjoy that, that kind of training. So, so um, what, cha- what changes have you, you noticed um, besides just the physical ones? Um, I mean, was it a, a confidence thing with you when you started getting bigger and stronger? Was it just something yeah. that sort of is like Marty and I talk about using that time as that's sort of our meditation time where, you know, with, we're not sitting by ourselves crossing our legs. We're, we're training. We get that high from the training. And absolutely. You know, I, I, I do get that, you know, from training and, and yeah, absolutely confidence. And, uh, it's just another way to, for me to kind of express that intensity. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I just, I, I enjoy, you know, getting bigger, getting stronger, doing it naturally. And, and, uh, just pushing myself like that, and James, don't you find that people treat you differently when you have sixty-five pounds of additional muscle? Absolutely, and you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you read these things all the time, but really, I did. You know, I I went from one thirty to uh, to up close to two hundred, and within somewhere around uh, a year and a half, two years. <laughs> Hey and Marty, I, yeah, Marty, did you see uh, Jake's tricep in this uh, on this album in the shadows? That's a pretty good tricep. Yeah, it reminded me of Bill Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, now be uh, honest. Did you pump up before that shot? <laughs> I I did not. I can be honest. You didn't. <laughs> oh, he's very uh, modest. Man, I would have. Jake, finish, up, finish up with your training. What, what, how would a typical uh, training week break out for you? Yeah, well, you know, I usually have a, uh, and and it's evolved, Marty. You know, I mean, when I was first starting, I could do a lot, a lot more, um, 
you know, that's that's really why I uh, enjoy your 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 training knowledge and, and all of your articles and your books so much because that's really um, it's really parallels what I've found through my experience is that, you know, I I like to train intensely and I just can't. And if I want to train like that, I just can't do a huge amount of it, you know, or it's counterproductive, you know. Sure. Sure. I mean, my my whole goal in my training, whether I'm I'm squatting or deadlifting or whether I'm doing a barbell curl, my my whole goal is to add weight at reps. You know, I'm constantly trying to to get stronger on, you know, like I said, as uh, as much intensity into a squat as I would bring into a, you know, a, a, a tricep extension or something. You know, you, I want to get strong on all of my movements. You keep a journal so you keep track of everything? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I do too. And so – so just like kind of Marty's um, talks about, I mean, uh, these days I usually work up to uh, usually one or two work sets, you know, and, and with, with the squat and deadlift, it's usually just one all out work set. Uh, well, I mean, I, I if you're doing 12 reps with 365. I mean, you know, what are you going to do more? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could I could do more, but the thing is, I want to what I want to do is recover as quickly as possible so I can come back and do it right. again and add two and a half pounds. Right. So, right. so it's kind of like, Yeah, well, it's kind of like what's the minimum dose exactly, you know, that I can do and recover from because like I said, I'm I'm doing it completely naturally and yeah, I could stand there and do a bunch of sets, uh, but I'm going to be wrecked, man, and, and I'm going to probably, you know. Plus, if you if you tie into that 365 again, your reps are going to drop from 12 to 7. Yes, you yeah, have a way yeah. down. Before, before so you recover, yeah. So what's the point? Yeah, I mean, I, I could accumulate some more work, but but my goal is really that, that one work set, you know. So, so when I come back, um, you know, four days later or a week later, depending on what I'm doing, I want to be able to either hit 13 or 14 reps or I want to add a few pounds, you know. Yeah, that's good. Plus, plus you know what? I think the, the low volume is just easier on your body because it's just less repetitions, less sets. I mean, think about it. Your hip joints and all that, your shoulder joints have a certain – amount of squats in them or presses in them if, you, if you're burning all those up on just high volume now it works great for some people but to me you know we're always talking about you know as we get older and stuff but to me i do that lower volume and get in and get out and uh my joints don't kill me like uh like they would with high volume and all that yeah yeah and you know i for me it's it's never been an issue that you know uh, I don't think high, high, higher volume stuff, you know, works. The thing is, for me, I, I really had no other choice because when I try to to do so much more volume, I I regress. I'll I'll get sick and have to take off, you know. So it's it's really just out of necessity, more or less. Yeah, and you're a busy guy, so you don't really have time for the high volume. Now, are you able to train when you're on the road? Uh, yeah, I'll you know I'll. Um, you know, not as 
it's not the it's not exactly the same but yeah right. i'll always try to find a good gym where i go yeah. i mean go. typically yeah and look ahead of time and say oh there's a gold's nearby or something like that yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely man yeah. and uh, and how how many days a week are you training about three yeah i mean three's typically been my go-to okay. sometimes a little more a little less yeah. um so maybe and, when, uh, maybe when you're on the road it's not so hard finding a place you know if you're training three days yeah. a week how about uh how do you keep your diet straightened out on the road what do you do you go to the store instead of a restaurant and put your meals together yeah i do a lot of that you know and i um you know i stay places with a little kitchenette and and uh, and i find you know great restaurants great food and plus you know plus at a certain level you uh you have your kind of music writer your contract and you know they'll they'll provide whatever you have in your in your contract you know so, you know the venues will. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave you. Let me help you uh, when you when you work up your writing. I, 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 we can work in some some things. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> now, Jake, let me ask you. Um, and I think this is what JP's kind of uh, hitting around at. Uh, you're a vegetarian. Oh yeah, yeah. For many years. And how did that come about? And when did it start? Uh, yeah, I mean, since I was 17, you know, so well over 20 years. Um, and yeah, I, I did start so young and into the, you know, the un, unhealthier uh, uh, aspects of the music business in, in a lot of different ways. So really, by the time I was I was around 18, you know, I, I was pretty much done with with all of uh, all of that stuff. Um, so this is actually part of the detoxification regimen. Yeah, absolutely. And I had some other musician friends around me that uh, ate that way for a long time. And and for me, it's uh, it, it it's uh, so beneficial for many number of reasons. But at the time, especially with my music, it it, it helps me be so much more creative and. Um, for performing, I just feel so much lighter and, and more creative. Like and so, that. so that was a big plus early on. But um, you know, of, uh, what kind what kind of what kind of food you like to eat? Like say uh, you know when you're when you're training real heavy, uh, you get done with a, a squat workout, you go home. What do you eat? Well, just like that's one thing Marty and I are in agreement on. But I've I've been a a big fan of raw milk for many years. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's been a big part of my, my diet. I mean, yeah, for me, after I train, there's nothing better than, than a, a quarter or two of, uh, organic raw whole milk. Quarters two. Yeah. No oh, wonder my. you put on 60 pounds. That's good, Marty wants you to drink a gallon at least. <laughs> well, I'll tell you over a day, not in a sitting. I did that. I, you know, there was a time I was drinking up to six quarts, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> and, man, I never had the slightest issue with it. I feel amazing on raw milk. Right. But, but here's, here's the difference. If I couldn't – if I didn't have access to that, I wouldn't have uh, – I probably wouldn't have dairy at all. Right. So, right. right. Yeah. So because it's a completely different thing. To me, 
you know, store-bought pasteurized stuff is just, it's, uh, so it's not, a, not a health. So where else are you getting your protein, rice and beans, things like that? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, I eat a huge amount of, uh, nuts and seeds, nut butters, almond butter, cashew butter, I love all that too. a lot of stuff, a lot of quinoa and, um, and yeah, a lot of beans and lentils and, but I mean, you know, the, the, the raw milk I get, it's, uh, it has so much more in it even than, you know, just kind of, uh, regular organic milk from the store. It has, it probably has 40 grams of protein in a quart Yep. and, uh, probably about 700 calories. Do you, do you feel that, um, now you're doing it for the health benefits and it sounds very healthy. Do you feel, um, that eating the the vegetarian um, type lifestyle do you think it it holds you back in your gains at the gym or do you think it's about the same or i i really don't think so man i mean now now i will say i'm not i'm not vegan per se because i do have dairy and uh, i mean i've tried doing that at different times but for me the um the raw milk is really a superfood yeah mean, it's yeah. That I, I don't feel there's anything in in uh, eating a meat diet that I can't get from uh, raw milk and and other foods. I mean, to me, it's just like liquid muscle. I mean, it's easy easy to digest. It's uh, tons of protein, and uh, there's there's also kind of you know you would call say kind of like growth factors that are in raw milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so to me, it's a real power food. And, and speaking about Marty, you mentioned Bill Pearl earlier. I mean, there's there's a number of, of I mean, Bill Pearl was uh, and I met Bill, Bill Pearl. I talked to him about this. Okay. He's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's been a vegetarian since the early 60s. Uh, there was a there was another Marty, another uh, great lifter and bodybuilder in the 50s, Roy Hillingen. Oh, yeah, he was ripped. Roy. Now, I will tell you this. Roy had to go to jail for a sex crime. But go ahead. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he was he was vegetarian since birth. And uh, uh, even though he was a smaller. I don't think the sex crime had anything to do with the vegetarianism. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was a very powerful guy, actually. I saw. Oh, he was incredible. Yeah, 400 pound clean and jerk at 181. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that was what 1954. Oh yeah, yeah, just way way ahead. South African originally. South African, yeah. And uh, but when I when I talked to Bill Pearl, I talked to him about this, and he said uh, he told me that every every one of the old time strongmen that he knew, you know, back in back in the 50s and 60s, the old timers that he was friends with. He said every one of them either built up on uh, raw milk or he told me beer, <laughs> like the old German lifters. Yeah. Uh, well, that was, I mean, all those guys were drinking raw milk I mean, the California, the original California yeah. guys and the muscle beach guys. Yeah. And in fact, California is one of the few places where you can go to the store and buy, buy it. Pennsylvania too. Yeah, that's great. I would I would drink it. I can't. I'm uh, lactose intolerant, man. That would uh, boy. If I drank a quarter of that, um, that's, that's why you're so anemic looking at 280. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, man. The that that's kind of a 
there's kind of a, a myth about it because when when the milk is pasteurized, there's naturally uh, the lactase enzyme in raw milk, which digests, which digests it. Yeah, and so you destroy that, so it kind of creates the problem. So JP, many. Have you tried it, JP? I haven't tried it, but I was just going to say, you know, when I lived in Maryland, I, I lived on a farm and we milked cows and did all that. And the, the farmers used to take the raw milk, you know, from the tank right into the house. And I'd seen them drinking it and pouring it on their cereal. Yeah. And that's the way to drink it. But did you just try it? I, I never tried it, no. You got to try it, man. We got to try it. Yeah, so many people have found that they have no issues with really that's interesting yeah. maybe i will try it i'll make sure i'm at home when i try it yeah yeah, yeah. just in hey, case jake yeah uh are you familiar with the work that weston a price foundation does yeah i am yeah because they're the they're the premier promoters of raw milk that's and right that's right and the way, uh, the way you talk is it's a lot of their talking points so i thought that maybe you were familiar with them absolutely yeah he studied the, you know in that era in the 30s he studied so many cultures that were still kind of uh, intact Iso yes isolated whether they were in switzerland or africa yeah. or the caribbean in fact, those the the people in Switzerland and those isolated communities, they their their diet was based around uh, their their raw dairy, you know, and they hardly even ate any any meat, but they ate huge amounts of. Oh, now come on, they were eating some meat. It's the <laughs> sugar that was killing everybody, and it was the refined right. foods, and it was the civilized foods, and it was the industrial foods. That is that's that true. As soon as that stuff started getting introduced, uh, you know, health went to hell. That's true. That's true. So, uh, well, the I Pennsylvania, the, the Pennsylvania barbecue places I went to in Austin. Your Boston vegetarianism. Uh, well, guys, I mean, I, I grew up. I'm 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 a Texan guy. I grew up here. I grew up eating nothing but barbecue. And uh, kill me. So for the first, have you ever been to uh, Black's Barbecue across from the university? Yeah, yeah, of course. But that's not that. that... Oh my God, that's good. That's a tourist trap, JP. That's a, that's a tourist trap, man. The original, original one is not in downtown Austin. It's out yeah. in the country. You know, that's like you know you got the. It's like in Maryland, you got the well-known crab house, but the best crabs are this little shack, right. off the road, yeah. dirt road, yeah. Well, original or not, man, I had the best brisket sandwich ever there. Yeah, no doubt. No mac doubt. Mac and cheese, too. That best mac and cheese I ever had. Yeah. It's good to go for a uh, cheat day over there. Banana pudding. Yeah. <laughs> every day in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my father's family is all from Allentown. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. So, uh, man, uh, I don't know if you would know this, but I, they're like all Pennsylvania Dutch. And yeah. when I was a kid, I'd have to come up there. And my my dad, he he would, tor I mean, he thought it was hilarious. He would torture me. It made me go eat that uh, scrapple. Oh yeah, that's never much. Vegas is yeah. never much. Yeah, he, of course he wouldn't eat it. He would he would make me. And I love scrapple. Oh my! I hate that stuff. That's oh, no, got to be well done. Well done. Uh, over easy eggs. Well done over easy eggs. Yeah, I mean, to this day, he thinks it's hilarious to 
ask me if I'm going to get some scrapple next time I go up there. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, boys. What else we want to talk about? Uh, let's see. What's a, got... what's a typical week of training? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. So, um, I mean, these days I usually I have a squat type day, deadlift day, and when you say squat day, I mean that's it. Sometimes, sometimes it is, but usually no, I'm I'll not, come it's in. Not accusatory. We do that too. Squat. Yeah. We, we even have squat T-shirts. Up. Squat I know, I know. I know. I like that. I really like that article of yours. But yeah, I'll come in. I mean, that's my. When I say it's a squat day, it's, I mean, my goal is, is on my squat, you know, yeah. that, that's yeah. what I'm coming in to, to, to push. To try to, yeah. And so I'll come in and, um, sometimes I do some lower rep stuff, but usually I'll come in and I'll, I'll warm up and work up to my working set and I'll, I'll hit, you know, an all out set of 15 to 20 reps. Um, Late calls, anything else, any Sometimes I, I usually always do some calf raises. Uh, I'll do some heavy weighted back extensions. Uh, okay. I like it a lot. And, uh, and sometimes I'll do some grip work on that day. Um, do, you, do you find that that interferes or helps your plane? Yeah, I haven't found it interferes at all. Uh, the, the exception I would say for a while I was, I was doing a lot of heavier uh, reverse curls. Okay. Uh, and those, those actually, I, I started to get some, they started to mess up my, uh, my fingers. So, um, but no, I mean, I, I, I do some heavy grip work. I like that a lot. I, I have this, uh, y- y'all know the company Iron Mind. Yeah. 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 yeah I've, I've, I've had that, uh, they make this two inch thick, uh, wrist roller. Yeah. Uh, it's like heavy. And I'll, and it fits over a uh, kind of one of the pins in, in a rack, right? In a power rack. So I'll set that up. Uh, I'll slip it through the pin about, you know, about shoulder height. And then uh, I have a loading pin where I can load weight onto it. And you're, ba- you're, you're doing a wrist curl, but because it's, it's set up in the rack, you're not, you're not supporting the weight with your shoulders, right? It's purely for your, for your forearms and grip. Oh, we, yeah, we know, we know about the wrist roller. Yeah, and man, I've, I've worked up to some heavy weights in that. <laughs> It'll get your grip strong, man. Uh, I, how many uh, reps are you doing when you do that? Just I one. Usually, I usually do those for singles because it's kind yeah. of a different. But wow. I've worked, yeah, I've worked up to like you know two twenty five for a, a couple singles wow. in the wrist roll. Yeah, man. Seems <laughs> to me you'd want to go higher reps, wouldn't you, with all that playing? You know, yeah. I don't think that transfers over into playing if he does high reps on the wrist roller. Well, he, the thing yeah. is, on masturbating, masturbating well, it would su- sustain hey, strength. Jimmy, yeah. come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that exercise, I mean, I mean, you're kind of doing to, to roll it up to the top. It's kind of like, you know, doing about 10 or 15 yeah. Yeah, reps. So, so, yeah. so you'll do, so you'll come in, you'll do, uh, you do work up to one set of squats yeah. and you do some, uh, so usually you do the wrist yeah. roller on squat day or that's a different day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do some grip work. 
I'll do I'll do cap cap raises, back extensions. Okay. Sometimes I'll do some, you know, leg extensions, leg curls, but uh, usually not unless I'm specializing. Yeah. Uh, so you're in and out in what forty minutes? Uh, no, I you know I I take my time. So usually at least hour hour and fifteen. Okay. Because uh, I, you know, I'm 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 not trying to race it because I wanna I wanna. I want it, that set of squats. I want to beat my, you know, I want to achieve my goal. Well, if you're, only, if you're only doing squats and wrist roller, that's a damn leisurely workout. <laughs> that's a heck of a combo. I never heard of that one, too. Big set. You know, I'll come in and, and uh, get on the bike for a few minutes, get warmed up, stretch. And, uh, you know, I, I'll start with the empty bar. I put on my Olympic lifting shoes, and I'll, uh, and then I'll I'll go for 135 for some high mm-hmm. reps, uh, 225, and you know I'll I'll do some workup sets, right? And uh, then I'll get up to my working weight, and I'll go for it. Do you have a certain type of music you listen to when I you're? I was just ask the same thing. What's, what's what's that? What are you listening to? Man, I like. Uh, any higher intensity music, you know. Okay, so. well, who, who who are you listening to the your last training session? Uh, let me think, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I had some Johnny Winter going the other day, man. You know, just after we were talking, you know. So. Uh, I was listening to Mean Town Blues live. Great, greatest, greatest album, man. That that progressive blues experience. Oh yeah, you like that one? And uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. So that you, so you're you listening to the blues. When you're training, you're not like listening to Miles Davis or uh, Aaron Copeland. I'm not to Miles Davis, but I'm not necessarily just listening to blues stuff. I mean, yeah, any, 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 uh, you know, any harder rock stuff. Okay. You're yeah. playing some ACDC, aren't you? Sure, man. I love, yeah, once you know, in a while. I, I love, uh, I'm really very, very liberal in my music, uh, music, uh, taste and experiment i mean yeah i might i might go straight like you said uh, straight from miles davis to acdc you know right yeah. I, I like to jump around a lot what do you do on day two uh i'll do a uh i'll do a pressing I, you know typically more of a just an upper body workout and i'll base it um I, either around a standing press or bench bench press, but you know what what's really been my main pressing movement through the years, even more than benching and standing presses, are are weighted dips. I've just always gravitated to those. So really, um, those I've you know uh, work up to three or more plates for reps on those three plates. And yeah. uh, well, we could we could we could see that by the picture in your uh, on your album there. Yeah, bam. Uh, <laughs> that says that says dips all over it. Yeah, I love I love uh, I love heavy weighted dips, and I I would like to I would like to get those. My lifetime goal, I would say, would be using two hundred pounds for you know ten or twelve reps. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be a lifetime goal. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of have these overall goals like that, that I, I want to eventually achieve. And, uh, and you know, sorry, I was going to say, you have any shoulder problems with your dips? Not, not at all. Not at all. 
Drinking um, shoulders. I, I gravitate to um, another another thing I do, which I I always do before any workout. I have a pair of the Indian clubs, right? Oh yeah. And so I always do, you know, at least five minutes of uh, of warming up my shoulders with yeah. those, and I, I never have any. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. Good rotational training. Well, especially if you're doing those weighted dips, man, that's good. Yeah, I never have any shoulder issues, so. Yeah, good. Did you have them before? No, I, I never did. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll get I'll get tight from from playing a lot because you know you kind of puts you in this internally rotated position. Yeah, and ten flexed, right? You got to hold that thing. And... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you uh, do you vary the uh, the grip width? Were you like a certain? I, I do. I do some, but I usually kind of have a uh, a medium grip. You know, same. Yeah. I try to kind of use the same grip on my on my pressing on all my pressing. Mm, okay. Uh, and I like using. Uh, for years, I've used. Uh, I do most of my upper body training with a thick bar. Um, I it's just. I I love the feel of it, and I uh, I I tend to. I feel like it builds strength uh, really well. Mm. Um, so I use I use my thick bar, and I do a lot of grip with grip work with that as well. Does your thick bar rotate like an Olympic bar? No, I don't have. I don't. A, I would like to have one of those, but yeah, yeah it's, it's I just special. have to. What you're doing is really hard. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you ever try doing cleans with a with a thick. Oh, yeah. That's that's uh, not not too fun. Those are about um, you know if it's a solid welded one, you know one piece. Those are usually around sixty five pounds. They're yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah. So and then, so so like day three, what are you doing? Well, I'll I'll do a workout based around uh, some kind of deadlifting variation. You know, so mm-hmm. I'll do uh, conventional deads. I'll do. I usually rotate between those, but I, I've done a lot more. Uh, and I've, I've told Marty that he kind of winced. Yeah, I winced. In pain at the thought of, I do like full range uh, stiff leg deadlifts. Ooh, you know, kind of, kind of like the old, you know. Oh, you know, no, man, don't stop doing it. Tell him. <laughs> tell him, Jimmy. Tell I tell you, that's how I, that's how I blew my disc out initially was. Rounding my back, touching my toes with yeah. 325. Pop. No, I did it too. Man, careful. Okay, <laughs> there you I've go. never had, yeah. Um, I haven't had any issues. It seemed to keep my back strong, but I do, I do do higher reps on those as well, 15 or 20 reps. Well, with how much, yeah, how much weight? What's that? With how much weight? Um, yeah, up, I'm up to about 350. 350? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, there are. That won't bother your back. Really bend like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. That'll put everything back in place for you. But, you know, if I could do. If, Jimmy, if I could do 350 for 15 in the stiff leg, are you doing that on a bench or just off the floor? No, I'm doing that standing on a block. (laughs) If I could do that. I'd be pulling what five five fifty three fifty for fifteen off yeah. a block. Me would equate to a five fifty to six hundred deadlift. Yeah, that's probably about right for me. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, why don't you uh, do the three, the the 550 to 600 deadlift and forget the. <laughs> now, Jake, Jake, have you tried uh, the Romanian deadlift or, or a good morning with your knees What's bent? That? Have you tried a Romanian deadlift or a good morning I, with your knees? I've tried bent? those, but you know, um, uh, the the way I do those stiff legs, I'm not I'm not doing them for working my hamstrings per se. I'm doing it to I'm intentionally getting that you know that spine. Um, yeah. You know, it, there's there's nothing that builds my erectors like that. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I like those those a lot, and uh, but I but yeah, I do get a lot of funny looks when I'm standing up on. <laughs> On a block and, and reaching down and touching my toes. Yeah, man, that's great. All right, so what do you do? What else do we do? Eh? The variations yeah. of the deadlift. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll. Um, so I mean, my lower body work is is for the most part it's those full ass to grass Olympic squats right. and um, and a different deadlift variation, usually between standard deads and the stiff leg, and I've. I, I rarely use a. I don't ever use a belt unless I'm doing some lower rep stuff. Okay, right. so I just um, I could probably I know I could use more weight in those exercises, but I just enjoy um, being strong without the belt. Yeah, but the longer, the longer you go without it, the better. The longer you go yeah. without. What yeah. kind of grip you doing on your uh, deadlifts? Uh, what kind of grip? You, yeah, you don't know what kind of grip you doing like a hook grip or. Alternate uh, when I'm doing higher higher rep stuff, I, I'll use straps because I, I do so much grip work separately. I'm not trying to test my grip strength. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll use um, I I'll do a double overhand when I'm doing those. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing wrong so, with yeah. straps. Yeah. So so yeah, I'll use straps, but no belt. Um. So. That that's I mean that's the majority of my lower body training. I'll um, sometimes I I'll do some heavy, uh, you know, kind of single leg, you know, rear leg elevated squats, mm. right? Um, I like doing those with the uh, the safety squat bar. That's a cool bar. Yes, it is. Oh yeah, yeah. We just put one up. So that's a yeah. one legged one legged squat. You know, the yeah. Bulgarian split squat I had the boys at Special Ops doing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right, 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 right. Um, Yeah. Well, another exercise I've done, well, I've done with those is, um, you know, Marty, you would probably know this, but when, when that bar kind of first came out, didn't, um, didn't uh, Fred Hatfield kind of put that up? <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Hey, but don't call it the Hatfield bar in Marty's presence. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jay, uh, we'll talk, man. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variations of that bar now. Now, now the uh, the yep. handles are are arching down, and uh, yeah. you can use it, you know, without hands. Uh, you can. Well, that, that's what I was it. getting at. Is that, yeah. is that I'll, uh, I'll use that a lot where I I actually will kind of uh, you know. Give us. I'll. I'll hang on. I'll. I'll touch the rack. I'll hold the rack. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I can use a lot heavier weight and kind of barely give myself some assistance. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a belt yeah. squat almost, right? Yeah, kind of like a belt squat, but but I can, uh, you know, I can just barely give myself a little assistance through the sticking point mm -hmm. and uh, use a lot heavier weight. 
Will you do you turn it around and use it for front squats? Uh, I haven't I haven't done that really. No. Yeah, I don't think you need to, JP, because it's a lot like a front squat because that bar is right over the middle of your foot, man. Just like yeah. A front squat. yeah. yeah. Well, some of them, well, yeah, some of them really have the put the bar like way down on your back. Yeah, I like they. I got a I got one in my basement actually, but yeah. I got the Elite FTS one with the handles out front. And you could do either. You could hold onto the rack or you can use the handles. It's a it's yeah. a real good bar. Well, and Marty, what was uh, Hugh Cassidy always saying? The the closer you can get that bar to your your hips, you go up. What is it for every inch well, you're closer and, to your hips? And, and how much you're, how big you are, and how much weight you're handling. But in his case, every inch you could uh, your your hip joint is your fulcrum, mm-hmm. right? So in the your spinal column is where the barbell is. That's your lever. So the closer you can put the uh, the barbell toward the, the fulcrum down the lever, it increases your your leverage. And he, for him, it was uh, every inch down the back he could put the bar was good for forty pounds. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I would. This is an eight, this is an eight hundred raw squatter. So you have to you know if you're a four hundred pound raw squatter, it would be twenty pounds every inch you could put it down the back. Closer yeah. to your hips. The closer you have it to your hips, the more your leverage improves. If I wanted to do some competing, I would definitely do more of a, a low bar squat. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, just for general strength. Yeah, yeah. there ain't no need for you to compete. It's over, yeah. really. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. And just think of all the think of all your contemporaries that because of nasty habits have fallen and yet uh at age what 40 how old are you now 40 yeah you're 40 right i'm I'm 39 okay we you be 40 in april right yeah that's right that's right i'm an april guy too so uh you know you know in austin i was i was watching did you see the anthony bourdain special where they were down in austin yeah yeah they had one of the who was it was it Flocka one of the Austin regulars and he said oh he said being a musician in Austin he says it's living in the velvet rut yeah that is exactly right that is the exactly right velvet yeah. rut because you can make enough money living in that town that you can make a good living being a professional yeah. musician yeah. but you can, you can also lose your edge lose your creativity and just become sort of a tribute band to yourself. That's a, that's a great way to describe it, man. Yeah. Um, and there, there have been a, a lot of, a lot of great bands here that, you know, there was a lot of hype, you know, yep. and everybody thought they were really going to break. And then, you know, it never really, you know, didn't happen. that, that is a, that is kind of a phenomenon that we've seen here, you know, so. Well, yeah. but, but I think that you're fighting against that. You're, you're kind of the antithesis of that. You're saying uh, at every turn, you're sort of the opposite. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I would. I would agree. You know, you know, and and because of that, you're stand. You're still standing and you're still creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I feel. You know, within myself, I'm just getting started, man. <laughs> uh, ain't that great? You know. Um, that's, that's fantastic, right? Uh, uh, real quick, before we 
we jump off because we've been we and we could talk for days. Um, I think that there's a lot of similarities between the deep blues and this sort of progressive minimalism that, that we absolutely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the blues in its strictest sense, Jake, is the the five note diatonic scale. More, more or less, yeah, sure. The black notes on the piano, right. Right. And now, yes, we have grace notes, which can add stuff to it. But That's right. you go back to Hooker, uh, you go back to the Ross, of the blues guys, and it's yeah. uh, five notes with a big intervals and a lot of yeah. soul and a lot of emotion. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I like that. Yeah. I like so that. That's what we do. Yeah. We take that into training. We have our own five-note diatonic scale. Squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press. Add one more, Jimmy. I say power clean. clean. What yeah, the clean. Yeah, power clean. So there's our five-note diatonic scale. Yeah, will we add some yeah. other stuff for grace notes? Yeah, absolutely, sure. Yeah. But essentially, it all comes down to mastering those five notes. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how I've based my training, Marty. We've talked about this, but... Um, I would say, yeah, that, that idea, I mean, for myself, squat, deadlift, um, bench or dips, a press, and I do a lot of heavy chins. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's about it. This is the blues. This is the blues. What can you, the blues is you can't reduce it any more than that. Yeah, well, the essence of, of emotion and creativity and communication, and it's the same thing we do in what we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my fucking wife in there. <laughs> put her on. Hey, Nathy, they want to talk to you. Is that now. the cat or the dog that's causing her trouble? I got, yeah, we got dogs, we got wives, we got all kinds yeah, you know, of stuff going on room, today. You, know, you guys got well, your you dogs in the other room. He's not going to. Jim and Jake are the true professionals here today. Yeah, I'm all set up. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Hey, Jake, you're great. We love you. You know that. Hey, good to talk to you, Jake. Hey, guys, thank y'all so much. This was a, a real blast. I mean, um, uh, lift, lifting has uh, has become a another second passion for me through the years. And, um, and I, I enjoy talking about it and discussing it as much as I do music. So this, this is a real, uh, this is the first time I've done something that's uh, a mix of the two. Really yeah, fun. It's really cool. Yep. What do you got coming up real quick before we sign off here? What do you want to plug? What I want to plug? Yeah. Um, you got anything coming up? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, shows, of course. Uh, I'm playing regionally around Texas. I'm going up next weekend is a big uh, uh, Eric Clapton's Crossroads Festival in Dallas. Now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I may be playing with, a, with a, an artist up there, but I'm not playing my own set. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's coming up next weekend. And, uh, where, where do you uh, tend to frequent down there in uh, Austin? Well, when I'm here in Austin, I mean, I when I'm playing here in Austin, I still play, I still play Antones a lot, and and uh, some of the venues here, the Continental Club, and uh, but it depends on the show. I mean, I played Austin City Limits earlier this year, and you know, so it depends on on what the what the gig is. But um, I'm uh, I'm kind of gearing up for uh, for 
some more touring here starting later this fall. Okay. Well, I see you have uh, a bunch of different dates and things and, and all your information. If anybody wants to find out more about Jake Andrews, go to jakeandrews.com. Yeah, yeah. My, my Instagram is Jake Andrews Music, and uh, and my my most recent album is In the Shadows, which you can find on iTunes or any of the online platforms. Yeah. And listen to that song "Roll with You." You want to get fired up? I'm telling you, it's got great guitar on there. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Roll yeah. with you, uh, or check out Time, Time to Burn. That that's a good. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff. I just got hooked on that one for some reason. Thirty times you were hooked, so. man. I was when I find a song, I tell you what, I play it like fifty times. You know, I just uh, it gets me more fired time. up. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. All right. Well, good deal. Right. Thanks Thank a lot, Jake. It was a pleasure. It was a great pleasure. All right, Jake. We'll, we'll talk. All right, boy. All right, Marty. Talk to you All soon, right. man. All right, guys. Peace.